0: Please note, we are not giving expert medical advice. Our content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. If you do need to talk to someone, please look in the show notes where you'll find helpline phone numbers.
1: Hello everybody, welcome to episode one, series two of We Are All A Bit Mental. It's a chat show where we aim to question and challenge the rather wonderfully complex and often slippery subject of mental health. I'm Lynn Ferguson, and today I'm joined on my virtual sofa with Chesney Hawkes and Neil Harrington.
0: Well, hello, people. <laughs> hello, everyone.
1: <laughs> hello. <laughs> there look it's episode one series two shall we do a lovely cuddle hello right ready one two three hello Hello. there you go that was it sorry listeners that was probably a bit creepy (laughs) today's show title of hippo what will be explained when we bring on today's guest in a little while who is the professor of neuroscience wendy suzuki she's also my pal but before that right then boys series two episode one or even episode one series two what do you want to start
2: with? Mm, I think we should start with um, our listeners' emails and letters. And I've got some right here in front of me. Oh, me too.
0: I've got a few well, well, too. whoa, 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 easy tigers, before you get too carried away, uh, I appreciate that we must take this moment to thank all the listeners for the support and feedback, but we just don't have time to read them all out. So. Oh. <laughs> oh <You laughs> party uh, pooper genuinely we do mean it don't we guys from the bottom of our hearts thank you to the listeners and and thank you for your input and and everything you do send in and and we hope you enjoy um Series two, as much as the first. Yeah, thanks, people.
2: Indeed, thank you. Thank you.
0: It's
1: sort of weird because we sit on a Wednesday morning in our own little sort of Zoom rooms talking, and you don't, (laughs) you send thoughts out into the universe and you're not sure whether they actually arrive. So when we get letters, it's just magic. Do you know
2: what? What? Neil, I'm going to ignore you, mate, because I have one email right here in front of me from a listener, uh, which pretty much sums up the sentiment of all the messages we get from our wonderful listeners. So, you know what? I'm just going to read this on one Good on you,
1: Chez. Yeah, it's
3: a revolution. Yes, revolution. I <laughs> I'm i still told. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, Chase, who's ah. it from? Uh, this is from Paul Patterson. Um, Hi, team. I just wanted to pass on my thanks to you all for the ten fantastic episodes that sadly finished six weeks ago. Uh, give or take a few days, says he with a smiley face. I'm hoping a season two might be in sight or in earshot. The content you guys produced resonated fantastically with me. Thank you all so much.
0: Uh, Wishing you all the very best. From Paul in Middlesex. Oh, Paul. In Ryslip.
3: Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul. Thank
0: you for jumping in and reading that out because um, that wording reflected um, a lot of the the messages and I think you hit it spot on with that, to be honest.
2: Well, it's nice that us just sitting here, um, you know, rabbiting away to each other and talking about things that are close to our hearts actually... It's nice that they resonate with people, you know, and that people actually, you know, get something out of it. I mean, that feel, feels good, right? Yeah, Isn't that absolutely. why we do it? Totally.
1: <laughs> well, also because we're, we're here, like, you know, in front of yeah. wee screens in our, our rooms, and not even in the same country, actually. And uh, just just
2: talking bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: But if our bollocks can connect with your bollocks,
2: then <laughs> <laughs> and connect to, our bollocks can connect to Paul's bollocks, then we're all good. <laughs>
0: Right um, oh uh, Lynn I can see you right now you're looking away from camera you're looking at your computer screen so I know exactly what you're what doing you're What am I doing? What, am I doing? what am I doing? you developed psychic
1: no. powers have you Neely Neil?
0: We have not got time to read out more oh, messages come because on. I'm conscious of time I'm afraid God damn you.
1: you know we would have <laughs> had plenty of time if we hadn't had that creepy virtual hug at the beginning <laughs> <laughs> That's true
0: we would have had time for
2: Lynn's letter but we oh, don't so it's time you. we started prepping for today's guests. Today we have a professor of neuroscience, Miss Wendy Suzuki, who will be popping up
0: here on our virtual sofa in just a few minutes and I'm so excited. So Wendy's niche, right, she's a neuroscientist that...
1: She's a what?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Neuroscientist.
3: She's
2: what? It's
0: all bollocks and tits. can <laughs> I just
3: say that? Series 2, episode <laughs> oh 1, God.
1: and it's already completely down
0: this oh. morning. Can I just clarify, Wendy Suzuki, I don't think you're a neuroscientist, <laughs> okay? Let's just clap for clarification. <laughs> <laughs> okay, before we go any further, because we might quite like to keep this in the edit because it's so ridiculous. So just a bit of clarification there.
2: So we also want Wendy to still be yes. our friend. Well, Wendy's my yeah. friend. Yeah. She's my friend. I don't know if she's going to be your friend. Well, in a minute, she's going to well, be. Maybe. Well, that's
0: easy, Chess. We get to keep a gag in, and Lynn gets to lose a friend. <gasps> so you know, bring, no. everyone's happy, right? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so Wendy's niche is that she is a neuroscientist that studies exercise. Um, Ches, that makes me think of you. You, you and your wife Chrissy. You're you're big fans of the early morning walks, right? Getting up at sparrows' fart and hiking. You're yeah. you're all over that, <laughs> aren't you? Yeah. Well,
2: that's you know. Lynn was talking about it earlier on about kind of remembering why you are together in the first place with your partner. That's one of our um, little kind of exercises that we do, um, every morning, uh, pretty much every morning, we, we just go for walks and just talk and, uh, and just together, you know, because sometimes it's not easy to get away for a night, which like we we would like to do go and stay in a nice hotel or something, but we just kind of carve out times whenever we can. Um, and yes, of course it helps with, you know,
0: exercising and, uh, and all that stuff, so yeah. When we do these recordings, it's sort of 10 o'clock in the morning, and, I, well, I know from your WhatsApp messages, <laughs> you, you, you've been up. I've already been up for five <laughs> hours or something. <laughs> I'm going to bed. <laughs> you yeah. shaking.
1: Been for a walk. I crawl in with a big mug of tea in one hand and a, big, a slice <laughs> of toast hanging out my mouth.
0: I'm like, what's going <laughs> on? <laughs>
2: well, we all have our, you know, rituals, don't we? Yeah. All
1: right, well, just before we bring Wendy on, we met at uh, The <laughs> Moth.
0: Um, what is The Moth?
1: The Moth is, is an organisation out of New York uh, that uh, deal with real story. And they uh, have, like, they have a huge podcast, bigger than even ours, I know you can't believe that, which is no, uh, possible, broadcast no. on public radios throughout... Um, Uh, the US. But also, like, The Moth is this weird thing that once you know about it, you're like, why does everybody not know about it? But, um, Mm, so, like, they've sold out the Sydney Opera House and, like, when I host for The Moth, which I do sometimes here, like, they'll sell out like a 2,000-seater in a couple of hours, right? It's basically people telling up, uh, people standing on stage and telling real stories about their lives. I met Wendy when we we had, we were both, I was hosting an event and she was telling a story, um, in New York, um, for the World Science Fair, and it was me hosting. I was the idiot in the room. There was the woman who discovered the breast cancer gene. There was Wendy, brainiest of brainy people, uh, and there was a woman. I think that she was part of building the mars rover or something like that like basically she had built something and sent it into space you know oh and another person that was
0: saving an island from... it sounds like the setup <laughs> to the best gag ever and i'm gonna jump in right there because <laughs> wendy i've got a little flash up on my screen oh. team wendy is in Yay, the room. so wendy. we're gonna let her in and listeners we will see you on the other side of the sting chatting with neuroscientist wendy suzuki
1: She's like pretty, she's smart, she's a proper girly girl, she's funny, right, and she likes people. You are a sort of, I hate to say this, but you're a freak of nature because you've got all the things that everybody wants to have, so I just i am thrilled. That you're I'm using. thrilled
4: to be here. Oh my god, it's been so long.
2: Luckily we're all freaks of nature here. It's all good. Yeah.
4: <laughs> Literally,
1: you came to my mind straight away because yeah. we were talking about topics we wanted to discuss. Yeah. And uh, somebody. <laughs> Because you can see how healthy we all look, <laughs> but somebody said, "Do we know anybody like it would be really cool if there was somebody who was like able to talk about you know mental health and healthy body, healthy mind?" And I was like, "Wendy Suzuki, yeah. I haven't seen her for ages."
0: <laughs> Wendy, you're a professor of neuroscience. Yes, aren't I am. You? Is yes. that right? So I just thought before we we pull your rip cord and get you going on <laughs> the brain and exercise. There's a word I've got written here in big capital letters, which I think for us Luddites, maybe a little bit of an explanation okay. would be good. Hippocampus.
4: Hippocampus. That's the magic word. One of your words. favorite words. <gasps> My favorite brain area. It's kind of magical because it helps us remember all the things that create our personal stories or personal histories. Um, This is the structure. You have one on the right-hand side of your brain and one on the left-hand side of the brain. And it lets us record all these things that make us us. And that is the structure Mm -hmm. that drew me into neuroscience uh, when I was a baby neuroscientist. And it's still my favorite structure. <laughs> I
1: like the idea of a baby <laughs> neuroscientist. <laughs> <laughs> <I, laughs> little, little yeah, little white coat. Yeah. You know, though, the thing is, Wendy Suzuki's so smart. I could imagine her being like a toddler and then going right. She
3: told you about your hippocampus.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so, hippocampus actually means seahorse. Oh wow! Because the hippocampus is shaped like a seahorse. So it's shaped. It's on this side of my brain. It's like here in my temporal lobe, and I have another one that's. In this direction, but if you dissect it out, it literally it looks like a seahorse. So the early neuroanatomists called it hippocampus, which is Latin, I think, for seahorse. a seahorse,
3: right? Wow!
2: And it's so yeah, it's we, where we're all of our memories are stored. So they're not
4: stored there. They they uh, the hippocampus helps memories uh, uh, stick, but they stick in other places of the brain. So the things that make memories stick better are repetition. Uh, association. So, you know, you know, I know Lynn and and then I remember Lynn's friends better because they're friends with Lynn, stuff like that. That's what I mean by association and emotional resonance. So, you know, we remember the happiest and the saddest events of our whole lives because there's another brain structure that sits right next to the hippocampus called the amygdala and they work together so that when something really happy happens, the, the amygdala helps the hippocampus remember. And what it's really good at is helping us remember those terrible, horrible things that can sometimes happen to us.
2: So why do I have a hard time remembering my lyrics when I play live? So what's that about? <laughs> In my lyrics, I wrote them. I should be, you know, connected emotionally to them. But
0: for the lifetime to reboot your lyrics, mate, you got to rewrite. I think. Well, I, clue, now, I,
2: I now have to have an iPad in front of me just to, to remind me of certain lyrics. I mean, what's that about? Is it just I'm um, getting old, or I'm not exercising well, enough? Well, you know,
4: uh, age can make memory decrease a little bit. Uh, <laughs> um, exercise can help your memory, so both those things uh, may be contributing. But you know, nerves are not so good for your memory. Even though I'm sure you're excited, you know, when you're playing live, but but mm. it's uh, it, it can. Uh, disrupt your memory. And so, you know, use whatever you can. I do that too. I teach an exercise class and I I have these affirmations that I use in the exercise class. Um, And uh, I wrote the affirmation. What you're talking about is when you get so much cortisol that it's flooding your system. Yeah, that's when your brain, you know, you have brain freeze, but there is an optimum amount of cortisol. Cortisol is actually good. It's not like this poison. It helps us get active. It's that thing that helps you, you know, mothers running to, to, to save their children and lifting up the car. They're able to do that because of cortisol. Um, and so, so the trick is to know how to get yourself to that optimum level. So you become like super woman mm. at the level of cortisol, but don't go over to everything falls apart.
0: I want to become superwoman. <laughs> yeah. Some people pay a lot of money to see that, I think to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> not me. Yeah, right.
4: <laughs> so, like I love
1: when you talk about the brain. I, I like I it makes me think in a way that I don't normally think, mm. right? That I I feel like I go on holiday and <laughs> I'm like I'm on vacation. When I listen to it because it's an area where I just don't I'm not really aware mm-hmm. of. Mm-hmm. Um and the question I suppose I want to ask you is quite a, a weird one I suppose. Like, when we met, we met at at the Moth event, the World Science event, and you were talking about your father. Yes. Like, you were telling a story about your father and his brain. Yeah. And in a way, I wonder, like, because you know so much about the workings of the brain... It feels like it's like just a big muscle, mm. like it's like a big machine. Mm. And I know this is heavy for a Wednesday morning, but where does this... <laughs> like, how do you connect brain and soul? Like, do, where do you think person is? Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because you're so much you, and I can't really... Like, you're very sp- specifically you. And even no matter mm-hmm. what your machine is, I would still go, yeah, but Wendy Suzuki's not just the machine, she's like her. So like, how do you see it? How do you see people? Yeah,
4: that's a beautiful question. And the way I see it is that I am made up of the very specific synaptic connections that I have. So while every single one of us on this podcast today has a hippocampus, um, the specific connections of the, of those hippocampi are quite unique to Lynn and Neil and Chesney and those connections and how they were tweaked in one way because of my moth experience and because of, you know, working with the World Science Festival and meeting Lynn and her aunt at that first event, (laughs) that has made me, you know, uh, have the brain that I have. And so I truly believe that um, where that soul, that essence, that personality comes from is my unique array of connections and brain chemicals that are really unique to me. And same thing for every single one of us on the
2: planet. And our brains uh, change, don't they? It can change depending on what environment uh, you're brought up in. I find that fascinating that that it can actually change depending on what you experience.
4: And that actually, um, I, I lied before, the thing that really got me into neuroscience is an experiment that showed just that, which is, you take rats and you either raise them in what they called an enriched environment with lots of toys and lots of other rats to play with, kind of like the Disney World of rat cages, and you compare <laughs> a their rat brains. <laughs> yeah, <a> rat Disneyland, <laughs> and compare their brains to a, a randomly, you know, chosen their brothers and sisters that were raised in much smaller environment no toys maybe one other rat in there but not much else to kind of occupy their minds and you can see literal structural differences the outside covering of the brain grew in those rats that were raised in the disney world of rat cages and it's like That's i amazing. i heard about that the very first day of my freshman year at uc berkeley and i was like i want to study that i need to understand i want to i want to give myself a disney world life And what would that
0: look like? Wow. So, Wendy, you're a neuroscientist who studies exercise, right? So can you give us a little bit of information about how that happened? Sure, sure. Why you went in that direction? So
4: um, for a long time, I was a neuroscientist known for her studies of the hippocampus and how memory works and how could it be that even uh, an event that lasts just a moment, say your first kiss could be remembered for 60, 70, 80, 90 years. And um, I really wanted to understand that. But then something happened to turn the corner. And that something was, I gained 25 pounds. You know, I made the classic mistake of, um, I decided that the best way to get tenure and to, to you know, be as productive as possible is only work and, and, and just eat, take out and don't move because I had to work all the time. And, um, you know, five, six years of that. Mm. And I turned around and I was literally rectangular. I looked rectangular walking down the street. (laughs) And, Oh, I was truly, truly... Rec- Wendy
1: Suzuki, you are like ridiculously no. pretty and all that. I do not believe you looked rectangular. You might have looked <laughs> a little bit podgy. <laughs> I was, but I, I was, was rectangular. rectangular. <laughs>
2: that's, that's a technical term, podgy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Be careful, Lynn. She might come back at you, you know. <laughs> I know. Now. I, Easy that I
4: was, I was rectangular. <laughs> and um, I was unhappy. I didn't have any friends in New York and, uh, you know, I, I'm the biggest right. Broadway fan. I was like, well, why don't I have anybody to go to Broadway with. And I was <laughs> okay, I don't, I don't quite know how to get new friends to go to Broadway with, but, but I'm going to try and lose this damn weight. And so I went to the gym, and I took out all the huge number of carbs that was eating in my diet. There's lots of great bread and pasta in New York. And so I was taking full advantage of that. And <laughs> I, I lost the weight, not overnight, a year and a half later. I am le- much less rectangular and I'm feeling good and um, I'm sitting in my <laughs> office doing something that I often have to do, which is write a research grant, an NIH, National Institute of Health research grant, which is- Sounds the, like fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's usually so stress-inducing and you're pulling your hair out. You literally, I, I'm competing against yeah. Nobel laureates for the same pot of money. It's like me against Nobel laureates. Oh, well, no. And so, um, yes, a little bit of stress, uh, which is how I got to <laughs> the rectangular part in the first place. But, but <laughs> now I'm, I'm less rectangular, <laughs> writing the grant, and I had this thought that went through my mind, which was, writing went well today. i never had that thought. Never, ever. I was like, oh, my God, what's going on? <laughs> I, I have to figure out what's going on here. And I thought, may I have been a good day? You know, it was just a good day. But no, it, it, it had been getting a little bit better, just incrementally. And um, when I really thought about it, it was better because I was able to focus my attention deeper and longer than I had before. Very critical for writing, and my own hippocampus, my structure critical for remembering all the little details of all the hundreds of papers that I'm trying to stitch together my multi-million-dollar NIH grant from. That that seemed to be a little bit better too. The only thing that I changed in my life was was going to the gym. I'd lost that 25 pounds.
3: Exercise. And
4: so I, I thought, wow, this is amazing. And it was right at that time when I'm noticing all these you know, cognitive changes in myself is when my mom called me to tell me that my dad had, wasn't feeling well and that he, he got lost coming back from the cafe that he drove to just like eight blocks away mm. from our house. He'd been driving there for the last you know, 20 years. And... Um, and of course, talking to him, I noticed that everything that had improved in me suddenly decreased in him. His mood was terrible. Of course, he, he knew what was happening. He knew his memory, mm-hmm. something's wrong right. with his memory. Memory was terrible. He had no focus. And um, that's what, uh, when I figured out that there was evidence from neuroscience that exercise are, was underlying all these things that I just happened to notice in myself that had potential to not only help me just be a better grant writer, <laughs> but also to help my dad possibly have a, a longer cognitive life, possibly, I thought that's what I want to study. I, mm. e- even though I was a full professor, I was like, wow. but that's really what I want to study. Is it too late to change? So, um, <laughs> so I changed. And uh, it it took a little while.
2: I guess it's never too late, is it? That's the thing.
4: It's never too late, but it's not that easy. You know, in academia, you come up through the ranks and you Mm -hmm. learn from all the best people. And if you switch mid career it's like, who are you?
0: I think a lot of industries are like that. If you've carved out a niche for yourself in a a certain way, it is difficult to... uh, to try and cross over. It's interesting hearing you say that, though, because our uh, Lyn is a big fan of change. I do. You,
1: I like change. Those
0: golden words you said. What was it? You know, it's really important to try change. You don't have to like it, and in fact, you can have resentment as your prize <laughs> at the end of it. However, yeah, it's important. Just you gotta have change, and it, of course, it worked out for you, Wendy. Right? It, it did. was. It was then your new. It was your new path. It, as far it as it was your my work. new
4: path, it was my new thing. I got to tell a story at the moth where I met Lynn uh, and, and, and my auntie right. and my auntie Susan and your auntie Susan. <laughs> and yeah. you know, I have to tell you that meeting your auntie Susan was revelatory for my mother. Oh, really? Yes, it was because you know I shared with my mom the story that I told about saying I love you for the first time to my parents over the phone because we'd never said that. And um, she was shocked that people that are other than Japanese American could relate at all to that story. She said, really? She was Scottish? (laughs) Really? And she liked the story? Really?
1: (laughs) 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 Well, Scottish Uh, people can be very uh, critical. (laughs) So I understand (laughs) your point of view fascinating listening to you right because i because i think what you're saying is so relevant to so many people now as we're coming out of the pandemic because Mm. there's like this whole thing of who am i who i knew who i used to be because i had something Mm. that i did every day and therefore i knew who i was but Mm -hmm. but it's also there's a, a weird thing with and i've questioned myself about this too which is that um if we thought of exercise the same the way that we think of like alcohol or cakes, then how different mm. things would be. Like if we, we see one as a treat and a, a kind of guilty pleasure
4: mm. and the other
1: one <laughs> that is a thing that we must do in order to be like a good boy or a good girl or something. Mm. More healthy. Yeah, healthy. But we're, we have an idea of sculpting the body
4: yeah. in order
1: to be yeah. uh, pleasing, right? to show yeah. pleasing. Right. And what you just said about um, th- your study, I was like, God, we actually do do that to the brain too, which is that we mm. decide that the brain should be shaped in one way, that uh, that we use our intelligence in this way and this is the way that it is. I mean, Neil is right. I, I love change because I think that mm. the purpose of life is enlightenment, right? Mm. And so therefore, uh, when you're constantly trying new things, then you, then yeah. the chance of enlightenment is more. But just listening to that mm. thing of the the structure that we have in the world is based on this thing of sculpting for beauty. And I, I wonder, I don't mm. know what my question is at the end of that, how, how we could change that coming out of, yeah. of the pandemic. Well,
4: that's exactly... What I try and do when I talk to different people about the effects of, I call it the astonishing effects of exercise on the brain. And um, so the first image that I like to give people is not of sweat and, you know, spandex and, oh, God, I
0: have a waist. Oh, no. Oh, you've just put Neil right off.
4: No, I'm not in. (laughs) I'm
0: not in. We're not having spandex. Count me out. Okay. I
2: almost came in my spandex (laughs) uh, today. I I thought that would be
4: appropriate.
2: (laughs) I meant arrived in. That was the wrong (laughs) word. That
4: was. Wipe that out. Wipe that out. Can, we just,
2: can you image. edit that? Can you add, edit
4: that out? <laughs> Instead, you know, not let me give you the substitute. So, the substitute is this that every single time that you move your body, including when you just go for a walk, go for a walk around your house, go for a ride in your backyard, outside, every single time you do that, you are giving your brain a wonderful bubble bath. Of neurochemicals. Oh, that's great. What are those neurochemicals that get released with movement, including walking, all the way up to you know uh, high intensity exercise? They are dopamine, serotonin, mm. noradrenaline. They are growth factors that help synapses form in structures like the hippocampus and your prefrontal cortex. But it's that cocktail of dopamine, serotonin, noradrenaline that everybody notices. It's like you know, I just feel better. When I, when I come back from that walk, I, I needed it. I, don't, I just, something told me to go push me outside. I did it. it. It is that bubble bath of neurochemicals. And so that is the image that I use every morning when I work out. I don't always want to do it. But every single time mm-hmm. I do it, I feel better after the workout than before. My motivation is better. I my, you my never regret focus. a workout. I do never you? <laughs> regret a workout. And people don't realize that they are literally changing the internal environment of their brain every single time they move. And so that is the value. And then my second story is a story that happened almost a year ago, last August, right before fall 2020. Uh, at NYU when all the students were coming to this, you know, completely online university. What is this? And I was asked to speak to a group of 30 freshmen. They first time uh, they hadn't even started yet, and tell them about my research and, and welcome them to campus. And so instead of taking the whole 30 minutes, I, I gave a 10-minute little lecture on the effects of exercise. And then I sent them off to a website to take a quick anxiety survey to see where they were. This is a clinically significant or uh, relevant um, or validated anxiety survey. And then we came back and we all stood up. And on Zoom, we all worked out together for 10 minutes, just 10 minutes. <laughs> and then I sent them back to take the anxiety survey. And I said, anybody who does it before and after, I'll send you the results tomorrow. So what I found was that before the workout, all of those 30 freshmen were almost clinically anxious. Their anxiety scores were not clinically anxious, but just one notch below clinically anxious. They were worried. But after just 10 minutes of workout, I was able to decrease those anxiety scores to normal range just wow. 10 minutes. Mm. And how did I do that? Bubble bath. I gave them a bubble mm. bath. We all took this <laughs> bubble bath together.
2: Is there something to be said for like trying to find um, an exercise that that you like that yes. you, you're happy with? Some people don't like going to the gym. Yes. Some people don't like running. I like bikes. Yeah. You know, uh, I like hiking and walking and stuff like that. But
4: anything that makes you move yeah. is is good. It will help mm. get that bubble bath started and anything that you will do regularly is better than any you know uh, trendy workout mm. that you will never do <laughs> in, uh, <laughs> yeah in a thousand
2: years. i like the idea of making it more of a treat what you said lynn like mm-hmm. you know that we don't really think about working out as a treat for our brains or for our bodies or for ourselves even like we you yeah. know having a beer is a treat but you know doing a workout you don't think of it that way but i, I think if you could change your mindset and think of it in that way like a bubble bath for the brain <laughs> it's really nice
1: I think it com- does come back to that hippocampus thing too, though, in that, um, like with my mother, uh, my mother suffered terribly for, from arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, mm, mm. which I think now, because I have horrible gluten intolerance, like oh. really horrific, I yeah. think that maybe her arthritis was not her arthritis. I think maybe she had intolerance and didn't yeah. But when she was uh, unhappy or had had a really rough, um, uh, kind of situation at the doctors or whatever, mm. she would always have, like, a, a cream cake, right? Because she'd learned in her generation that actually that's what you give someone who's struggling. Mm-hmm. And this thing about the memory of what we decide, how we... what we program in ourselves. Yeah. How do I reward my effort? Mm-hmm. What do I do for myself today? And and it's it's so complicated because it just... Like, I, I, I've watched mm. people that I know who've gone through the pandemic on their own, mm. you know.
4: Yeah. I'm
1: around, I have two sons, my husband, my dog, and mm. nine chickens, chickens. right? <laughs> yeah, chickens. So life is really busy. And to yeah. a great degree, my life hasn't particularly changed in that there's always activity. Mm-hmm. But there's that thing about as people become more isolated, mm. then the sound of what they see is a treat or what they can reward, it goes back into this thing of history. What do I yeah. know it to be? Yeah, like my yeah. mother always said it was cakes mm. or, you know,
3: Yeah.
1: I just I, I think it's really, I, I suppose a question that I would ask or I would pose to the group, mm. which is that for anybody listening who thinks that they are, that they've defined themselves as like a loser or broken mm-hmm. or not able to move forward. Um, would we say that that was possible to change through just a little bit of brain exercise, or you know, like yeah. to redefine An
2: actual exercise?
4: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, that is the definition of brain plasticity. That that is what makes the mm-hmm. human brain the most complex structure known to humankind. Is that it has the capacity to change in response to your environment, to change in response even to your thoughts, which is the power of mindset. So, you know, there's study after study, and this is a kind of growing area in psychology. Of um, It used to be, oh, it's just in your mind. You know, you thought you got yeah. better because you took that sugar pill. It's just in your mind. Actually, it is in your mind, but it, it shows the power of how, how what you believe in can change the way your body Response, and um, I think that that using that to your advantage in yeah. every different way that you can is one of my goals in life, and it's uh, it's as useful as Lynn. Your challenge to yourself to try new things. You know what you're doing is you are building new synaptic connections. You are building new neural pathways every single time you try things in a new way. And many people don't. They get into these habits and they get really, really good at doing the same thing over and over and mm-hmm. over. And you uh, you don't... Give your brain that stimulation of let's try another pathway. Uh, what if we tried this one? Now, we haven't you know used this part of the brain uh, for a little while, and and that is very good for overall brain health.
2: Because we're coming out of the pandemic, and everybody's had to kind of rethink their lives in a way. So I think there's a lot of people experiencing a lot yes, of change right absolutely. now,
4: absolutely,
2: um, and probably a lot of anxiety coming out of the pandemic because it's been like 18 months of 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 trying to just I don't know get through this new time so there's a lot of people probably in that position right now uh, that have have been forced to kind of change their their way of thinking I mean I know I'm definitely like I've had to diversify in what I do for a living and you know and I've had to Learn new things and teach myself stuff, and I've always loved change. I've always put myself in positions where I have to be out of my mm. comfort zone and learn new things, and I've you know that's something I've definitely learned in life that I I enjoy that. And we can the thing is, people I think don't do that because of fear. Yeah, they're scared. They're scared of trying new things. But in actuality, we can all do whatever we yes. want to do. And we can all try it. You don't have to mm-hmm. be Mozart to to be able to play yes. a little bit of piano. You know, you can you can do it, and you can get enjoyment out of it, and it can uh, strengthen and give you new neural pathways. <laughs> I
4: think that there are some major advantages of lockdown that we should talk more about.
2: I agree.
3: The
4: ability of uh, to control what you eat, and I learned how fattening New York City restaurants are when I couldn't go to restaurants. <laughs> oh my God! It was <laughs> they're really fattening. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and sleep, I started sleeping nine hours a night when the lockdown first happened because I had, you know, more time. I gained an hour minimum each day for my commute during the weekday and, uh, mm. really started working on sleep patterns and now, I um, have a, have a really strong kind of eight hour cycle that makes me feel so much better. Made me think, God, I was Impaired for all those years. Yeah. When I was trying yeah. trying, oh, I can do six, right? The six is fine, At six. Anybody uh, can do six. <laughs> Ugh, oh God, you know, no. <laughs> mentally impaired. So I've really mm-hmm. appreciated that. And just the appreciation of what feels good to me when you don't have so many things. Oh, you have to go here, you have to go there. You have 30 different meetings. Okay, we have 30 different Zoom meetings, but it's less stressful. And it's allowed some people who can take advantage of it To, you know, have more of an appreciation of what really works. How does sleep really affect how I feel every day? How does less fatty, salty restaurant food affect? I also gave up most of the alcohol that I was drinking. Woo! That really, I know it's hard. Wendy Suzuki, I'm judging (laughs) you harshly. I I didn't. We're
0: no longer I, I friends. I didn't give it up totally. <laughs> yeah, we're all judging you. But <laughs> get down off your high horse. That's a whole other show. That is. Sorry,
4: I hit a button that but <laughs> I didn't realise I was going to hit. Oh, it's totally true.
0: <laughs>
2: no, I, I'm with you. I'm with you, Wendy. You're absolutely right. Giving up alcohol is like I do that in like kind of big blocks of like I sometimes don't drink for like six months or something like that. And like you really, really do feel yeah. so yeah. much better. Uh, you know, it's amazing what alcohol does to the brain. I mean, you would know actually what happens. Maybe you should tell us, or maybe not. (laughs) No, don't, please. I
4: I give a scare (laughs) lecture to all my undergraduates about the degeneration that one sees with binge drinking. It it literally does kill parts of the brain. And where does it kill my favorite part of the brain, the hippocampus and related structures, which is part of why one of the yeah. syndromes of severe alcohol abuse is a form of amnesia, Korsakoff syndrome. Right. So it's not good. And even moderately will will affect your sleep, which will affect, I mean, have you seen the TED Talk about sleep, where the first line is, let me talk about testicles? Because sleep affects, <laughs> uh, and, and it really got at least half the audience really, really <laughs> Paying
3: attention. I <laughs> know. <And> the <rest laughs> guys what? just went
4: what? 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 <laughs> what? what? Testicles. <laughs> Leave my
2: testicles out of it, you it,
4: yeah, <laughs> it, it it ages your testosterone. Um, output um so that you are you're giving test you are producing a testosterone at the level of a man 10 years older than you if you're not sleeping regular eight hours a night
0: Mm. wendy i'm just going to take the helm a little bit and i'm going to steer us because i'm keeping an eye on the clock now you're going to come back with us in a few months because you have a book coming out about anxiety right yes i do we are going to have you back to talk about that um We need to get into the music a little bit with chairs. That's going to take five or ten minutes. But before we do that, (laughs) before we do that, I think there's something you've got. um, We there's so many things you have valid contribution information on, but you have quite an opinion (laughs) on crying. (laughs) As an emotion, right? (laughs) And how that impacts our work, especially as a female scientist. There's been a little bit of friction going on as far as that's concerned, hasn't there? Yes,
4: there has. So let me just be very clear about my view. Emotions are good. Emotions are healthy. Yeah. And not just the happy, happy emotions. There's the sad emotions. There's the crying for, for happy the emotions. Whole range, yeah. All of them are valid. I believe that a healthy individual should have access to all of them. And so. Here, here, my friend. Yes. Mm. And so out when I got my paper accepted to the journal Science, one of the highest level. And I knew that meant that I was going to get tenure. I cried. I cried. I, you know, I, Passionate. that morning I was like, oh, yeah. I can't believe it. And, um, <laughs> and I had to come to, um, get much more comfortable with my own emotions. First after so many years of don't show any emotions, you're, you're Asian, you know, you're you're Japanese-American. There's just no emotion emotion in Japanese-American culture.
2: Same with the English.
4: The, the English, <laughs> yeah. Somehow, I think maybe it's a, a counterpoint to that, uh, end up telling stories, like the story that I told at the Moth that Lynn was the wonderful host of. Loved. Which is so emotional, and it makes me cry. I knew I told it well. I've I told it well if it makes me cry. And so I've... I've learned the power of sharing that real emotion and trying to tap into that real emotion. And that is why I, I get asked to speak at different places because I am, I'm good with my emotions, all of them, the joyful part and, and the very sad part. And I've spoken about all of them. And I, I share that with my everybody I work with, my lab members. They've seen me cry when people are leaving the lab. It's like, oh! Okay, they're a little bit uncomfortable, but hey, they they get used to it. They get upset too and they cry and I keep tissue right there and you can cry and I may cry with you because sometimes that that happens, but I accept all forms of emotion and I reject scientists who say, you know, it's it's your baby if you cry, you're you're you emotional Yeah, you got to hold it in. I'm a scientist and I have normal emotions, so that means I have them.
0: Thank you for sharing that, because I thought that was a really really interesting story. See
4: why I love Wendy Suzuki, right?
0: Right, you lot, pull yourself together. Anyway, (laughs) come on.
2: All right, Wendy, so (laughs) every week our guest gets to choose and tell us their happy song. Um, or a song that makes them emotional to, for whatever reason. It could be a sad song. Um, I think you've chosen a happy song, haven't yes, you? Yes, I have. Um, and I have the, the pleasure of getting to uh, to recreate it for you <laughs> yeah. here in, in the studio. So,
4: <laughs> so excited to hear this. <laughs> okay.
2: Yes. So, yeah, tell us your song.
4: So to represent the information that I wanted to share with all of you today, uh, I chose a song, one of an array of songs that... Just make me stand up and have to dance. There's a subset. And I'll I'll tell you that my cousins tell a story about when I was like two years old. There was a song where every time it came on the radio, I would stand up and dance. And so, you know, this has been (laughs) genetically programmed in me. And so the song that I chose is Pharrell Williams.
2: Epigenetically.
4: Epigenetically, yes. Um, The song I chose was Pharrell Williams' Happy because it is one of those songs that make me want to dance. Well, let's
2: all get up and dance okay. then. Well,
0: here we go. We have Chesney Hawkes performing Happy For You.
2: Yay!
3: <laughs> <laughs> it might seem crazy what I'm about to say <laughs> Sunshine, is here, you can take a break space With the air Like I don't care, baby, by the way Come on Oh my god! You're very
0: welcome. <laughs> well done, Chez. Another fabulous performance, mate. So, Wendy, does that song have? Any, is there any particular memories pinned to that song yes. from a period of time? You know, yes,
4: anything? it was. Um, this was right after my first book was published, "Healthy Brain, Happy Life," and I wanted to do a set of videos for my website to make it more interesting. And so um, I had these two film students in my class that I was teaching at NYU. It's a sophomore class called Art Meets Brain. And they were from Tisch School of the Arts. And I said, hey, will you guys help me? I, I wanna film videos in my lab. <laughs> and so they came and then I had an art director friend in LA, she flew out to help me. And um, we, we filmed just a dance sequence. Uh, so that like to get me <laughs> ready to do the to, do the talk and we used um uh. Copy. Uh.
0: Thank you for coming on, Wendy. Uh, we, we we're sort of trying a new format in this second series where guests don't really get an introduction oh, because okay. we're sort of we're having a bit of a chat, and then to sort of stop it all and do an introduction is something we found sort of a bit prohibitive. So so we will give you an average outro. If we just okay. give, <laughs> give you an intro, but we will give you an average outro. How that about that great. as an offering? Very happy.
4: With but that. so
0: uh, Wendy Suzuki, professor of neuroscience. Wendy, if people want to get in touch with you, how can they do uh, that? You
4: you can get in touch with me at my website wendysuzuki.com. Wonderful,
2: that's easy, easy
0: enough.
4: To remember, brilliant.
0: Well, look, um, we'll give you more than an average outro. Thank you yeah. so much for taking the time and spending time. Can you with come us on today. every week, please, Wendy. Um, you're fabulously interesting. <laughs> yeah, thank yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. um, you. And it's a real treat for the listeners. So from the bottom of our hearts, thank yes. you for taking the time to join us. Thank Wendy. you, we Wendy. really appreciate oh, it. Thank, thank you. you. Wendy, oh, yeah. I'm going
4: to tell remember. my auntie Susan. <laughs> yes, uh. tell your auntie. I remember her so well. She almost made me cry uh. again. She did make me cry again. I give a talk. I was crying. She, she, she can make me, her me cry. Too. Just with a
3: look.
2: <laughs> <laughs> wow, guys. How wow. amazing was Wendy. Right? Oh, right. I think I'm in love. And I have to say, Lynn, she's definitely my no, friend. No, she's as well. still my pal the most. She?
1: She's my pal the most. You know, the thing with um with Wendy, what like what I love love about her is that she's so bright, but she's so enthusiastic, and she doesn't talk to you mm. like that you're an idiot, even if you are an idiot. <laughs>
0: like, <coughs> <laughs> well, we are compared I to know. Her. Oh, thank God for I know. <laughs> <just laughs> I feel
1: so smarter just being in the think. same room as her. Do you know what I mean? I go, yeah. oh yeah, oh yes. Well, yes, I, I know, I know things now because I've hung out with her.
2: You know what? I know what a hippocampus <laughs> is
0: now. Yeah, yeah. Exactly.
1: <laughs> thing is, I'll probably forget very soon because my hippocampus
0: is pushing. No, you won't. You, you'll cut to your next dinner party that you're pushed at and you'll be the fountain of knowledge on the hippocampus and you'll be boring the arse of all of them four hours later. I know. And Did you
2: know we all have two seahorses in our head? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. picture
3: it now.
2: And a hippopotamus, apparently.
3: That actually is
1: true. You know, one of my favourite stories about my mother, because Wendy was talking about her mother and my family and everything, but my favourite story about my mother is when I met my husband, he worked for the MOD, he was, he was worked for the Ministry of Defence, and uh, my mother was like, oh. <laughs> my sister called up and she said who the hell are you dating? And I said, what? And she said, mum said that he's really high up in MFI. <laughs> MF. <laughs> she literally had turned uh, the MOD into flat pack furniture in
4: one. <laughs> that's classic. That? I love that.
0: <laughs> How about that whole bubble bath for the brain thing, right? I mean, that was, um, yeah. I love that. Releasing the dopamine, was it dopamine, serotonin? Yeah. And adrenaline, right? So, Wendy, she mentioned, you know, people talk about the effects they have after a walk, for example, and they, they feel so much better. The thing I don't get, I take the dog out at least two one hour walks a day. When I come back, I'm knackered. I'm f***ed. <laughs> That's the bit that's confusing me. So I don't know why everyone is getting off on all this exercise. I'm, I'm you don't, sorry. I'm...
2: You don't feel the dopamine being released. No, but the dog does. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Just look she at your dog's it. face. He's yeah. so
1: much <laughs> I really do think that um, when people are in the depths of despair, that, um, that you have that thing of it can never change. There's something intrinsically wrong with me. The reason I feel this way is because there's something intrinsically wrong with me. And her method, whether you're a fan of exercise or not, right? Her method, where you just go, yeah, well, maybe there is something intrinsically wrong with me, but technically, maybe if I go for a walk, I might be able to change me a bit. And so I will. Yeah. Right? I, I like that it opens up the doorway of possibility to people who are struggling with very real issues. It's
0: common sense, really, isn't it? The fact that exercise could improve one's memory. But I've not—I've never thought about those two things together before. Yeah, but you say. know
1: what? I, I tell you why I think that there's a confusion. Like, I remember the 70s and the 80s. It was the 80s and the 90s, actually. The 80s, probably the worst. With, like, I'm sure she was a lovely woman, but there was a woman in the morning called the Green Goddess who wore, like, some frickin' spandex green thing and was jumping about and i was like if i do exercise and i'm that cheerful someone will punch me in the face (laughs) just for existing right there's been a few of those yeah
2: mr motivator was another but also
1: even in jane fonda feel the burn exercise (laughs) should hurt you or it's not really working there was a lot of it the way that (laughs) it's been pushed at us yeah. That to believe that exercise is pain rather than something that can help us remedy what you know emotional pain we're in. it's there to cause physical.
0: Pain. I also love um, the fact that she's devised her own exercise and workout program, yeah. and obviously the 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 USP of that is it's combined with vocal positive affirmations. And um, again, it's something you wouldn't think of, but you're 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 working out the body. Let's let's bring the brain in bring the brain in sync, right? And have Where those are two things today, Are they in oh, your I
1: <laughs> Hey, can I make a request? though? can I make a request? Because she, I also know that she's done a thing about um, good anxiety. And I, I just yes. I think that it would be really cool to uh, have her back in the series if you're up for it. I mean, she, you, you know... Oh, please get... Yeah. Well, she is my please friend, so I would her. have to ask her. I don't know if she'd
0: come back to <laughs> <for> you guys. <laughs> so I'm already prepped. Um, the book is out in a few months. It's called Good Anxiety, and its tagline is about harnessing the power of the most misunderstood emotion and learning about the difference between good anxiety and bad anxiety. So, yes, we're definitely going to have Wendy back. And two reasons, really. One, she's a fabulous fountain of knowledge and we want to know more about her book. Two, as you said, right, I get to pretend I'm intelligent by hanging out (laughs) with one of the cleverest people in the world for the second time. And I'm going to have dinner parties uh, soon and what am I going to talk
1: about if I don't have Wendy?
0: (laughs) (laughs) So look, team, we need to wrap things up for this week. So uh, we do hope you listeners have enjoyed the show as much as we have. And
2: if you'd like to tell your friends about us, please... please give us a like or share on the socials. We'd very much appreciate that, wouldn't we, guys?
0: We would very
1: much appreciate it. And I've got very exciting news.
3: woo
1: Next week we'll be back, but we're coming back in conjunction with The Gilded Balloon Edinburgh. Woo! Whoa. Big comedy venue in Edinburgh. Legendary. For, yes, legendary, as is the legendary Karen and Katie yeah. um Anyway, we're back with the Gilded Balloon and the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, and we're really excited about it. So, for the next four weeks, our guests will be um, people associated with the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, Fringe Friends. And we're kicking (laughs) off with actor, writer, journalist and Perrier Comedy Award judge and full on crazy magnificent bird, Kate Copstick.
0: woo Can't wait I do that. not want to set us up for a full, but she's probably going to be outrageous. Do you think that would be a good choice of adjectives? Well,
1: I think she might. Well, I, I think next week's... Uh, the theme for next week, which I've written here in my little book of uh, themes... <laughs>
2: do you have a little theme book?
1: I have a little book of themes. I go, oh, well, look, you know... See, Wendy Suzuki, she writes brainy stuff. I write my little book of themes... <laughs> uh, in my little book of themes, I've put uh, extreme as a theme yeah. for Kate Copstick. Right, anyway, so Sounds until right. then, I have been Lynn Ferguson. He's been Neil Harrington.
0: He's been Chesney Hawkes. And we are all a bit mental. Oh,
2: thank we you, everyone. are. Thanks, <laughs> everybody. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thanks,
3: everyone. Bye. Bye.
0: You've been listening to We Are All A Bit Mental with Chesney Hawkes, Lynn Ferguson, Brandon Block and Neil Harrington. Produced and edited for Source Productions by Neil Harrington, with plenty of help from Lynn, Ches and Brandon.